Hey everyone, this is George Canyon. Welcome to Life as a Diabetic, the highs and the lows. This is episode four. Episode four is brought to you by The Stash Luxury Garage Condominiums. Where do you stash your toys? The Stash Luxury Garage Condominiums, just south of Calgary, is home to 38 secure luxury garage units. It's actually become an elite lifestyle being enjoyed by a community of like-minded car enthusiasts. Contact the developers Larry and Leslie for a private viewing of one of the last remaining units. Visit their website at www.thestashgarages.ca. What have you got worth stashing? <laughs> oh, it's a great location. Actually, I've got to go there a few times and check it out. And some of these places are amazing. You've probably seen shows on TV like um, Garage Monkey and things like that. And it's like a, it's like a big toy playground for uh collector cars and bikes and you know, just everyone that has that uh has that love of of um old memorabilia as well and that's the stash luxury garage condominiums a big thanks to the stash for being the sponsor of episode four of life as a diabetic the highs and the lows once again i'm your host george canyon and for uh, all the information on the stash just check it out uh online www.thestashgarages.com dot ca well this is episode four we've been having a lot of fun getting these done and of course um with everything going online right now um my entire industry has moved online actually which is um well i don't think we've ever seen that before so um, we've been very busy online and i've unfortunately only been able to get uh one podcast done a week right now but at the very least, that's what we're uh, we're working on. We're working on a, a great guest list. Um, we've had a few wonderful guests in the first uh, the first uh, three episodes. Been fant- fantastic, um, a lot of fun. Uh, but we have some guests coming up in uh, in the very near future. So you want to be uh, checking back for that. But today, I thought we'd talk today about something that still puzzles me and may have finally. I may have finally clued in uh, a big thanks to uh, to my beautiful wife, Jen, who's the brains and the beauty in the operation. Um, she said something to me the other day, and it finally clicked. And when I was young, I remember people would see me or you know, mom and dad introduced to their friends and things, and, and they'd be like, wow, you don't really look like a diabetic. And that always kind of, I don't know, I always thought that was just a little bit weird. Like, I don't look, well, what does a what does a diabetic look like? And so I, I remember as a kid kind of thinking to myself, you know, at 14, 15, even 16, what does a diabetic look like? Now, if I was to ask that question of uh, everyone listening, what would your answer be? What does a diabetic look like? Let's get real um, in, in on it right now. What does a type 1 diabetic look like? There's a, there's a loaded question for you. And... Um, after all those years, you know, I've been out on the road. I've been in the music business for 30 years. I've had it quite a few times. I've had people say, well, you don't really look like a type 1 diabetic. And once again, I, of course, I maybe I'm just getting older. I would say, well, what does a type 1 diabetic look like? I'd kind of throw it back at them trying to figure it out. But the other day, it sort of, <clears throat> it did sort of uh, come to mind. We were watching a TV show, and um, there was a character on the show was was a type 1 diabetic, and um, the show was not bang any niceties to being a type one. They, they made this character look quite sick. And, um, that got me thinking, you know, when my nanny 
was a type 1 diabetic um, for most of her life. And uh, I believe we mentioned this back in episode 1. We might have. So uh, my nanny, as a type 1, she didn't have blood testing equipment. She didn't even, I mean, CGM, forget it. Like my Dexcom G6, if my nanny was alive today, you wouldn't get the, the smile off her face to not to, to be able to have your blood sugar. Like she didn't even have the ability to use um, a, a, a stick, you know, poke her finger, finger, put the blood on a stick, put it in the, the AccuCheck or whatever meter you happen to have. And um, she didn't even have that. She had um, a stick that she peed on. I mean, I hate to be right to the point but i gotta be here uh, and uh she peed on that stick and, and then that would give her a rough idea of how much uh well how much was spilling over into her urine and and she would basically then take her insulin based on on that i guess i never really talked to her about it um but when i think you know when i think back on on all those those days i'd remember i'd be sick and couldn't go to school or we had a day off or it was a snowstorm lots of snowstorms in nova scotia when i was a kid and we go down and sometimes we get to stay with nanny and papa and um i'd watch nanny i'd you know i'd I'd watch her boiling her needles i'd watch her drawing up her insulin never thinking anything about it and um the other thing too which is really strange for a lot of uh, especially nowadays for a lot of type 1 diabetic kids to to think about because they don't even draw up needles anymore they're all they're all using insulin pumps like um like my pump my omnipod i don't you know I, I don't touch an insulin needle anymore really um but my nanny she didn't have disposable needles she had to boil um her syringes and um and needles and and i just i think about that today if i could survive as a type 1 diabetic back then and then, then I started thinking even further, further back, you know, when, when you think, okay, well, uh, Nanny was healthy as she could be, but nowhere near as healthy as she would have wanted to be, um, with a lot of complications because of uh, sugar fluctuation and high sugars and, um, you know, causing damage to organs. And um, I guess that might be why, you know, you don't look like a type 1 diabetic comes up um just because nanny would i guess look like a a typical type 1 diabetic um from back in that era and um i've been very blessed to to get to play a lot of shows down in in ontario down in london ontario and and um and of course i never i never forget dr uh frederick banting and dr charles best and what they accomplished um because had they not accomplished it well we wouldn't be listening to my podcast it's as simple as that so you know there's a part of me that thinks back to you know what did a type 1 diabetic look like in that era um what did a type 1 diabetic look like prior to that you know it was not something i ever uh, thought about um until you know someone first said it to me well you don't look like a type 1 diabetic and nowadays I would challenge anyone uh, to tell to point out in a lineup of ten people, point out the type one diabetic. Um, all these kids that I've been blessed to to meet and their parents and and work with um, right across North America, um, hoping to you know of course encourage them to control their diabetes and live their dreams. That's the number one thing with me. It'll always be that way. Every one of them. There's no way 
I could pick them out of a lineup and say, yeah, that's a that's a type one diabetic right there. Not a chance. Um, you know, insulin pump therapy, uh, CGMs, um, the list the list goes on, and um, all those different uh, different new therapies and technology are giving all of us type ones. Well, they're 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 giving us um, health that uh, that we never knew we could have, and I'm sure if my nanny was alive, she would like I said earlier, she would just be grinning ear to ear. You couldn't get that grin off her face, but that didn't slow her down. You know, that's the other thing. Um, she uh, wow, she did everything. She she would take care of the whole family, all the uncles and, uh, and Aunt Jessie and live in that little house down in Westville. Um, Papa was a coal miner until uh, he got miner's lung or, or the black lung and ended up having to stay home, probably dro- drove Nanny crazy. Um, but she would bake everything. I remember sitting down there and she was baking pies and baking bread. And every now and again, she'd let us kids use the flour sifter, which still to this day is just i don't know what it is about an old antique flower sifter i love those things and they're so much fun and um we would help her out and and, you know she would make all these wonderful wonderful desserts and and things but i never saw her ever eat any of it and um i always wondered you know because for me i'm going to be really honest here um i'm i'm a dessert nut i love desserts i'm like if you said here's here's dessert and you can eat this and not have to worry at all about anything it's all i'd eat all day long was desserts i just love them but she just had this ability this willpower if you will um to not touch any of it and uh and raised you know raised all those kids and the entire family and they'd go camping down blackbrook lake and they'd you know she just went along i've never never once did i see her um, sugar get low, but I do remember dad telling me about times where nanny sugar would get low and, um, and you know, she would have orange juice or whatever, whatever happened to be around. And now of course we've got so many different things that you can eat when your sugar's low as all the diabetics know out there. Um, so many different options, uh, for treating low sugar and treating, um, severe low sugar as well. Um, but a lot of the times for my nanny, it wasn't so much, and dad, I remember dad telling me this cause he was the he was the chief tech at the hospital lab, so yeah, that that was his specialty um, was blood work and, and everything to do with uh, with that and the human body. Um, but I do remember him saying it wasn't so much that Nanny would go really low with her blood sugar; it was more that she would fall quickly. And um, and I can definitely attest to that. You know, some days my sugar might only drop to four or three point seven, but if uh, not so much over the last let's call it 10, 12 years. But prior to that, it would drop so fast some days. That it, and that, that was what would kind of cause me the issue was the, was how quick it would drop. That would make me feel, um, for choice of better words, wonky. And, uh, and I would immediately get sugar. Uh, but back in the days for Nanny, you know, and all those type 1 diabetics, um, who were very grateful they had insulin, uh, beef and pork, I believe is the last insulin she was on was beef and pork. Um, it must have been, you know, it must have been an incredible, uh, tough time. I, um, I really can't imagine that. But back to that question, um, you don't look like a type 1 diabetic. And I think nowadays, um, you know, it's, it's, 
It's a, it's a whole new world. And part of the reason we're doing this podcast is to really get the messaging out there to not just the diabetic community and sharing in our stories and, and sharing in, um, in our triumphs and, and also in our mistakes and failures, but to get the message out to society um, that it's, it's a whole different ball game now. Um, these type 1 diabetic kids, <clears throat> they have so much technology in front of them, they can, they can achieve whatever they want. Um, con- you know, controlling their diabetes. Uh, it- it's still a lot of work. Don't kid yourself. If you're not a di- type 1 diabetic and, you know, you hear us talking about insulin pump therapy or my Dexcom G6, my CGM, um, we don't just turn that on and then and forget and walk away. Um, it's still, you have to put the work in, but the discipline is there. And, um, and when you are disciplined and you do put the work in, wow, the rewards are above and beyond. Um, really, and in, in the industry I'm in, where I travel so much, or I was up to uh, COVID, um, it it really is a difficult lifestyle for being a type one diabetic, or it used to be. Let me just say that it used to be back when I first went on the road in 1990. It was uh, it was it was tough, um, and of course I was lazy. Um, I was not disciplined. I was stretching, spreading my wings, if you will, experiencing life. I'm on the road, um, in a, in a country rock band and we're what we would call, you know, rock stars for choice of better, but believe me, we were not rock stars. The places, (laughs) the places that we played and the things that we saw and the, just the places we had to sleep or put your head down. Um, I won't get into that on the podcast because I don't want people to cringe, but taking care of myself as a type 1 diabetic was like so low on my priority list. And I, I, man, I wish I would have had an insulin pump back then. I wish I would have had my Omnipod pump and I wish I'd had my, my Dexcom G6 because it, nowadays when I'm on the road, it's so much easier. And, um, the discipline is there, but you get way more for the dis- for being disciplined. Like the reward is huge. Uh, my sugars are are very very stable, and when your sugars are stable, you feel better. Um, you feel happier. And as everyone knows right now, with mental health, um, the mental health side of type one diabetes, and we're going to get into this in another podcast um, for sure. But the mental health side of type one diabetes is is huge. Um, every parent I've talked to, including giving, giving different, um, keynotes to different organizations and medicine as well, uh, doctors and, and, uh, diabetes care workers and nurses, um, everyone that I talk to, I, I touch on the mental health of the type one diabetic, um, because <clears throat> controlling our disease, yes, uh, insulin is, is the, the godsend. It is the lifesaver. But the treating of our disease um, really is about 80 to 90% um, mental for a type 1 diabetic. You know, and I've talked to so many kids across the country uh, about their diabetes, and I've had to deal with a few very sad stories. And, you know, you hear from parents, uh, you know, this one, one couple said, our daughters, and they had twin daughters who were both type 1 diabetic, and they said, our daughters are 11 years old, and and they're not taking their insulin. Um, they're saying they're they're forgetting to take their insulin. And of course, the parents are right there. And you know, 
but you, but as a parent, you're also wanting your children to to take care of themselves, like to take responsibility. That's how that's how it works. As a type one diabetic, you want to you want to own this, you want to control this disease, and and then live your dreams. And these two little girls just said, "Oh yeah, well we're forgetting." Well, I sat down and talked to them, and I got to the bottom of it. I said, "There's no way you're forgetting to take your insulin because." If I forget to take my insulin, if I forget to tell my insulin pump, you know, I, I need this insulin because I'm eating a chicken burger, it doesn't feel good. It feels bad. When my sugar goes high, you can't ignore that. And there's no way they were ignoring it. So anyway, we got to the bottom of the story. They wanted to be school teachers when they grew up. They had it in their mind. That's what they were going to do. And they talked to their teacher about it. And their teacher, um, not maliciously, but um, ignorantly to a degree, said, um, well, no, you guys can't be school teachers, you're diabetics. And those two little girls um, basically listened to their teacher because they, you know, they always listen to their teacher, basically decided that was it. Why bother taking insulin if they weren't going to get their li- to live their dreams of being a school teacher? Now, we all know that that is not correct. We all know, and I'm sure some of you listening know, type 1 diabetic school teachers. I know them. Um, So we know that is not the truth. But the point is, at 11 years old, they had made the decision to not control or not take responsibility um, and be disciplined to control their diabetes because there was going to be no reward. They weren't going to get to be school teachers because of their diabetes, so why bother? So right there, 80 to 90%, if not more, of their control was uh, was a mental health issue. And, and it's so vital that we talk about our diabetes to everyone, to not just the diabetic community, but to society. Um, I've watched it change over the last 15 years. I've watched people um, open up and go, oh yeah, it's just type 1 diabetes. They're they're in incredible shape. They're in incredible control. Heck, they're in better shape than I am. I've heard that lots of time with people talking to me, like, you're you're in way better shape than I am. And you know, and you're a type 1 diabetic. And we would never know. We would never know you were type 1. And so the, the days of, of that comment of um, you don't look like a type 1, those are now being replaced with, wow, we'd never know you were a type 1 diabetic. And I still have fans today, even though I talk about it all the time. Um, I still have fans that that didn't know that I've been a type 1 diabetic for 36 years. But um, the mental health side of the disease is something that we all need to be paying attention to and healthcare needs to be treating. Um, When I was growing up as a type 1 diabetic, not once did my specialist or my doctor or anybody say, maybe we should, you know, um, be getting some healthy checkups from, uh, from a psychiatrist to make sure um, you know, George is doing good um, in good mental health, and because it, it it weighs on you as a as a kid, as an adult, it weighs on you. And um, we're gonna have a whole episode dedicated to the mental health side of type one diabetes. It's gonna be coming up, um, but it all ties back to you don't look like a diabetic. And um, man, I could talk for hours just on that. You know, that one statement that one question Uh, but thank the good lord technology is there and it's been there for quite a few years and where it's going is incredible um it's yeah we're gonna get to a cure i know we are thanks so much for joining me on episode four of life 
as a diabetic. The highs and the lows. And a big thanks to the Stash Luxury Garage Condominiums just south of Calgary. It's home to 38 secure luxury garage units, and it's become an elite lifestyle being enjoyed by a community of like-minded car enthusiasts. If you are one of those people, make sure you check out the stash. Contact the developers, Larry and Leslie, for a private viewing of one of the last remaining units. There's not many left, so you want to be checking it out. Visit their website at www.thestashgarages.ca. That's www.thestashgarages.ca. What have you got worth Dashing. And like I said, it's an incredible place. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. I'm George Canyon, and this is the podcast, Life as a Diabetic, the highs and the lows. God bless you this week. We'll talk to you next week. See you later.